invited a friend of mine to get his son, and me and my daughter would actually go, and we were going to serve at a a kitchen that served people who were both homeless and poverty-stricken. And he was really excited about that, and so he said, yeah, I'm in. And we were really excited about doing this because we felt this would be an opportunity uh, for us to actually teach our children how to care for people who were less fortunate than they were, and also for us to know, uh, for them to know how fortunate they were. And so we were really excited about this, and we get to uh, the kitchen, uh, and they had us put together some silverware, and we put some plates together, and different things like that, and uh, they were pumped. They were looking uh, forward to serving. And then they took some plates, and they went out, and they served uh, people who were in the dining room. And uh, after we had served the people in the dining room, I noticed as we were coming back to the kitchen that my uh, oldest daughter, Jordan, kind of had this grimace on her face. I wasn't exactly sure what was going on, but when we walked into the kitchen, she said these words. She actually looked and said this to me. She said, Daddy, those people stink. And at that point, I'm like, oh, are you serious? And I was so embarrassed. I mean, like, I'm the pastor of the church. My kids are to be the example. They're not to be able to say that kind of stuff. And I started thinking to myself, why is she doing this? And then it hit me, well, maybe it's because she has some of her mom's DNA in her. And that, that was the issue. Well, as a parent, I'm mortified and I'm just getting ready to scold Jordan when all of a sudden my friend's son kind of pops up, uh, pipes up and he says this. He goes, well, uh, you know why they stink, Jordan? They're a bunch of hobos. Now, at that point, I thought to myself, well, you know, Whatever my kid said, it wasn't nearly as bad as what his kid said. And they were only in second grade in kindergarten. But I'm thinking to myself, well, this is much, much better that he took that on instead of myself. And at this point, I saw my friend. He, he's literally kind of uh, cowering to the ground with shame and horror. So we pulled them both aside And we started to scold them for the way they had acted. And we told them, you know what, we are to serve everybody, whether they smell, regardless of what they look like, and we're going to give you a different job. So we took them out to the kitchen and we had them to start pouring some water and juice and taking it to different individuals. And all of a sudden, as they begin to start serving these cups of water and juice, there was a piece of them in which you could see that their behavior actually changed. And the smell that they had, had lessened. And as they served, their mindset changed as well, and they learned the importance of what it means to serve everyone always. Have you ever judged someone because of the way that they looked or smelled? The truth is, is that you can 
kind of say, well, they're kids, I understand that, but sometimes you as an adult do that as well. And if you have made that kind of judgment to them, and in a real way, you kind of showed that, you know what, I don't like to serve everyone always. How about people who have a different political persuasion than you? When you look at them, do you have a tendency to go off on them and get angry? Or do you find ways that you can serve them anyway? What about opportunities in your life where you're asked to serve in some way and you have this opportunity, but you're kind of scared about the risk that it will take to do so. And so you ignore it and you don't do it at all. You know, the truth is, is that I have walked away from many different serving opportunities like that. I'm embarrassed to say it, but there have been times with all three of those examples that I've chosen not to serve other people. I mean, can anyone else relate to this this morning of those kind of things? Okay, if you didn't raise your hand, uh, we know you're serving saints. So you don't have to worry about that. And those of you who are on the stream, if you're in Muncie, Yorktown, if you didn't raise your hand, uh, there's an attitude that you have. If you're in Delaware County, if you're in another county, uh, you are lying. That's what you're doing. Because we've all had that opportunity to serve someone and we chose not to do it. Well, many of us are often left with choices. Do I serve other people or do I serve myself? Well, God must have known that you and I would struggle with this whole thing when it comes to serving. And so he sent his one and only son to show us the importance of serving everyone always. Because Jesus was committed to serving everyone always, regardless of who they were, what they smelled like. And he actually was willing to serve people who were difficult to serve. You see, in the world that Jesus lived in, everything was about climbing up the ladder. It was about having an identity that was better than the one that you had currently. You see, in Rome, uh, it was dominating the entire world. The Roman world dominated everything that Jesus was a part of. And one of its central tenets was that every single person would have a desire to have a greater identity than what they currently had. There were kind of seven classes within this Roman identity process. It kind of looked like this. First of all, at the very top was Caesar. And Caesar was a person in which 24 elders walked behind him constantly and they would sing out loud, Holy, holy, holy is our God. They actually told uh, Caesar that he was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And then right underneath that was the Senate, which was 600 politicians. And under that was the equestrians. They were the people who had been placed in power because of the land that they had owned. And then under that was the decurion. These were the politicians of the different kind of local burgs and uh, villages. Now, the top four actually was 3% of the population. The top four classes only included 3% of the population. And then there was this massive gap 
to the bottom three. Next, you had citizens who had some rights, and then you had freedmen who were earlier former slaves and servants, and then at the very bottom of the rung were servants. And Jesus left the highest place in heaven at the right side of the Father where he had been from the beginning of time, and he went all the way to earth to the lowest place. He was actually born in a barn. He had peasant parents. He was a servant at the position that he was in. Now, for the rest of our time, what I want to do is I want to talk about how we can actually be a servant by, like Jesus and what are some of the essential things that you need to be a servant. Now, first of all, what you need is the mindset of Christ. You mean need the mindset of Christ. If you want, that's your first fill-in. Uh, you can also uh, type it into your phone if you want. But a mindset of Christ. You have to recognize that mindset. In Philippians chapter 2, which is in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible, uh, we learn about the type of servant that Jesus was. The scripture says this in verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same, what's the word? Mindset as Christ Jesus. It always begins in the head first of whether you're going to serve or whether you're not. And who you will serve and how you will do that. Verse 6. Who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. In other words, even though Jesus was at the right hand of the Father in heaven, when he came to earth, he did not use that as his advantage, but he actually became a servant. Verse 7. Rather, he made himself nothing... By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. In the Roman culture, there was nothing that was lower than a servant, except a servant who would be crucified on a cross. That is as low as you could get. But Jesus wasn't forced to the cross. He actually chose to go to the cross as a servant because of his great love for you and to bring forgiveness to your life and to serve you as he was called. In our culture, we have a tendency in the same way to want to ascend up the ladder to greatness. But Jesus said the key to the kingdom is called a path of descent. That we actually descend, we lower ourselves to serve everyone, to serve everyone always. And that is the mindset that he calls us to have. So let me ask you this morning, what kind of mindset do you have? When it comes to your workplace, are you always trying to find a way to kind of, you know, ascend up the ladder to take advantage of different things so that your status, your focus 
can be one that's seen so that you can go up the ladder? Or do you choose to actually descend and be a servant of Christ? What is your mindset like? You know, growing up, uh, one of the games that we would play at almost every single birthday party was a game in which you had to try to get as low as you could go. They would actually get this stick, and then you'd have to go like this. Does anyone know what that game was called? Limbo, exactly. Limbo, limbo, you limbo like this though, you know? And uh, everyone would limbo, and I hated the limbo because I was not flexible, and I would never win. But the whole point was to go as low as you could go. You know, if you think about it, folks, that's what service is. Service is about how low will you be willing to go? Jesus lowered himself to become a servant. He left heaven... one of you this morning, even though it's snowy, even though it's crazy, even though some of you that are on the live stream, you're warm and are you willing to go? How willing are you to descend to greatness? Will your mindset be, be set on serving yourself or serving others? So to serve everyone always, first of all, you have to have the right mindset. Secondly, you have to have the posture of Christ. Not only the mindset of Christ, but the posture of Christ. One of my favorite uh, stories in all of the Bible is found in John chapter 13. Jesus uh, invites some friends of his to an upper room where he has prepared a dinner. A dinner called the Passover dinner. And as they walked in, Jesus does something unique. He washes their feet. Now, feet washing in general was not uncommon. It was very common. Just like if a person comes to your house, you might say, can I take your coat? And then you would put it in. Well, feet washing was the same way. There was always someone who would wash the feet of people who would come into the house. And the reason was, is because on these roads that people walked on, they walked barefoot. Or they walked with sandals and uh, everything that the animals left was on the road. Everything that was in your house that was trash that you didn't want in there, they threw it out on the road. And so as people are walking down these different roads and steps, they would get real nasty, grimy, smelly kind of feet. And when people would walk in, you wouldn't want that smell to get into your house. So what would happen is it was the job of the lowest slave, the servant of the house, to actually bend down and to wash the feet of every single person because you didn't want that smell in there. The reality is, though, uh, the person's job that usually got that was the slave boy or the slave girl. And what's crazy, though, is that when they walk in 
There's not a slave boy, there's not a slave girl, but Jesus actually lowers himself and he washes their feet. Because you see, in ancient days, when you would go to the Passover meal, uh, you didn't have a chair. You would actually sit on the ground and your feet were all around. And so you didn't want that smelly nastiness, everything. But it surprised them. That Jesus, who was a rabbi, who was a teacher, who was looked up to, is washing their feet. And when he does this, it's like shock comes to their face. They're like, whoa, what are you doing? And what Jesus models to them is the life of a servant. So as Jesus and his disciples are seated, the food is there too... And the thing is, I I often think that Jesus must not have been the type of person who would jump into the food first. Jesus kind of noticed his surroundings and he was willing to maybe pause before he would eat. When we first started the jar, uh, Abby Guthrie, uh, who is one of our elders, we met in homes and she hosted many of these dinners when we met as a church. And she is a great cook and I love to eat, so I always like going to Abby's house. And when we would go to Abby's house, uh, I always was watching her because she would wait until everybody else ate and got served before she would eat. And sometimes we'd have like 20 people that were in her house and these people are going through and some of them like to eat a lot. So they would actually come back for seconds. And when they would come for seconds, uh, Abby would still just kind of wait and she would wait to go last. Her posture was never to be the first, even though she cooked all the food, but it was to go last. Folks, let me ask you this question this morning. What is the posture of your heart? When it comes to going to a grocery store, when it comes to your family, when it comes to your work, what is the posture of your heart? Is it me first? I want to get mine. I've got to get what I need. Or is your posture to allow other people to go before you And you actually choose to go last. To serve everyone always, is that what you do? Or do you serve yourself first? In the story of the Passover meal, Jesus was okay to go last. He had kind of this ability where as he's at the table, he actually pulls away from it while they eat and he picks up a basin and he puts some water in it and he begins to wash the feet of his disciples. He didn't have a problem going last or doing the job of a servant. And the thing that I find so ironic is whose feet he washed. For example, one of them was a doubter, a guy by the name of Thomas. He doubted Jesus. He didn't really believe that he had died on a cross. He didn't really believe that he was who God said he was. And I got a question for you this morning. Do you have any doubters in your life? People who, when it comes right down to it, they are kind of like, you know what? You can't do something. I don't think you're good enough. 
I don't think you're strong enough. I don't think that you can get into that school. I just don't think that you have what it takes. And Jesus, he gets on his knees and he begins to start serving doubters, washing the feet of doubters. Here's my question for you. Since you... This, that, when was the last time you served a doubter? When was the last time a person who really doubted in you that you served them? There is also a traitor there, a guy by the name of Matthew. He was a tax collector. A tax collector was considered a traitor in the Jewish faith because they sided more with Rome and getting what Rome needed rather than caring for the Jewish people. But Jesus didn't have a wall up. He still served the traitor. There's also a denier there, a guy by the name of Peter. Right after Jesus washes his feet, just in a few short hours after that, he denies that he even knew Jesus three times. And yet Jesus bends down and he washes the feet of even the person who had denied him. But what about somebody who betrays you? I mean, do you have to serve someone who betrays you? One of his disciples was a guy by the name of Judas, who actually sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver, had him arrested and crucified on a cross. And yet Jesus, even in knowing this, Beforehand, he reaches down and he serves him. When's the last time that somebody betrayed you and you still chose to serve them? Folks, I want you to understand that that's who Jesus served. He served people who were the traitors, people who were doubters, people who were deniers, people who were betrayers. He was dealing with the same kinds of people that you deal with at work. People that you deal with in your neighborhood. People that you deal with in your schools. People who deny you, who betray you, who are traitors, who actually doubt you. Jesus went through... Everything that you and I went through, and yet he chose to serve those people who were difficult to serve. And my question for you today is, can you serve like that? Can you be the type of person who serves like that? You know, maybe it's a person who doesn't vote like you. Can you serve people who don't vote like you? Maybe it's a person who doesn't believe like you. Can you still serve them? Uh, What about people who've hurt you? Man, there's some people who've hurt me. Can we still serve them? Or will the only people that you choose to reach out to, to help, to serve, are the people that will advance you up the ladder or the people that you like the most, the people that maybe don't stink? Well, at the end of this story, after Jesus has 
had this meal and he washes their feet, the scripture says that Jesus put down the basin and the towel and he came back to the table. And he looks at every single one of the disciples, his best friends, and he goes, guys, do you get what I'm saying here? And they're all kind of looking there like, no, man, we don't get it. Like, we just don't get it. And so Jesus says this, you all call me teacher and Lord, and that is rightly so. I am your teacher. I am your Lord. And then he goes on with these words. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be, what's the next word? Blessed. You'll actually be blessed if you do them. Now, what's Jesus saying here? Well, he's saying, not only do I want you to have the mindset of me or the posture of me, but eventually you actually have to have the actions of me. Mindset, posture, action. Jesus is telling his disciples, you call me teacher, you call me Lord, and if you say those things with your words, then you've got to do the stuff. You've got to do the things that I ask you to do. So if I love everyone, you should love everyone. If I welcome everyone, you should welcome everyone. If I bless everyone, you should bless everyone. If I serve everyone, you should serve everyone. And if I get on my knees and I wash the feet of everyone, then you should be willing to serve everyone too. Now, I'm just talking for those of you who are Christians. So if you're Christians, wake up. Because this is what I want to tell you, and it's this, that it is critical if you're a Christian to do what Jesus did. And as a church, it's critical for us to do the things Jesus did. You see, folks, every single person who's a Christ follower, your first Your very first kind of personality trait should be humility. Because serving everyone always starts with humility. And instead of trying to climb up the ladder or what I can get, we actually see that Jesus descended into greatness. He left heaven to come to earth because of his great love for The world. He took the life of a servant, and because he did this, look at the reward he receives. Scripture says this in Philippians at the end of it. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name. And whenever that name is mentioned, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess. That Jesus Christ is Lord. Why? Because Jesus didn't come with the power to say, I am 
the second beside the Father, and I should have some advantages. You should do some things for me. But he came with humility. He came with a heart and a posture to serve. Mindset, posture, action. Now, here's maybe the easiest way for you to remember today's teaching. When you think of mindset... Go low, like limbo. When it's posture, you go last. And when it comes to action, you go love. You go low, you go last, and you go in love. So how can you put this teaching into practice? Well, first of all, sign up to serve on Sunday. We need people who are going to be able to help us serve. As we kind of unroll back into some sense of normalcy, we need more people who will step up and to serve. And so you can go ahead and get out your little card, if you haven't yet, and fill it out. And actually say, yep, I'm going to be able to help, I'm going to be able to serve, and you can put it in the box in the back when you leave. If you're online, like Tom said... What's really important is for you to actually sign up online. Don't just let it go across the screen and don't do anything. Actually sign up. And if you're like, yeah, but we're still kind of nervous because of the pandemic, I get it. Then just put on there, hey, our plan is to come back on this month. Our plan is to come back when we get a vaccine. Would you please reach out to me in April? And we will. And all of a sudden, you'll be able to serve and to help as we move the church going forward by being able to serve as Jesus served. Now, secondly, what I want to encourage you to do right now is to write a name down. Write down the name of one person that you could serve. Um, In fact, I I would just ask you to to just ask God right now, God, would you whisper a name of someone that you want me to serve this week? Maybe it's somebody at work. Maybe it's that real difficult person at work. In fact, I would encourage you, don't just serve the people that you like. If you want to serve like Jesus did, you actually serve difficult people. And so who is somebody at work in your neighborhood? Maybe one of your kid's friends, a parent of them that you could serve. Maybe it's someone who has doubted you. Maybe it is someone who has not necessarily always believed in you. Maybe it's someone who's betrayed you. Maybe it's someone who has denied you. Maybe God is whispering a word to you of a name of someone you would have never thought before, but you can put that name down now. Because this is what I believe to the core of my being. That when we serve like Jesus serves, we serve the people who are difficult to serve. And we serve the church because it is Christ's bride. So today, just like we've done every single week during this series, what I'd like you to do is to repeat after me kind of a declaration of action. 
of something that we're going to do with this teaching. Not just say, oh, yep, I heard another one. We're actually going to do something with it. So I'm going to invite you right now to just kind of repeat after me our declaration. This week. Okay, we can do better than that. I know we have a few, but we can do better than that. All right, so repeat after me. This week, I will humble myself and go low, go last, and go in love. I will serve everyone always. All right, good job, guys. Let's pray. Uh, Loving God, thank you so much for sending your one and only Son from heaven to earth. Thank you, Jesus, for humbling yourself to love us and to serve us. Help us today to to choose, God, to serve everyone always. Give us courage to sign up to serve in the church. Give us courage to sign up to take that name that you've whispered to us and say, yep, I'm not just going to put it aside. I'm actually going to put it into action and serve someone who might be difficult to serve. Someone who has doubted us. Someone who has betrayed us. Someone who has denied us. Help us this week, God, to go low, to go last, and to go in love so that your name would be made great. Today, maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, well, you know, Jesus served the disciples because they were his friends. They were worthy of being served. He knew them, but somebody like me, I mean, I'm I'm just not good enough, Chris. Uh, I've messed up too much. Um, I've hurt some people. I often serve myself. Well, this is the truth. That Jesus came not because he necessarily said, you have to serve. He said, I'll serve you. In fact, scripture says he didn't come to be served, but to serve so that he could love the world into a relationship with him. Because he knew that serving others who are difficult to serve, he knew what that was like. And he chose to serve and love us anyway. So if today you're ready to believe and surrender your life to him, if you're ready to say, I need him, I need his forgiveness, I need his presence, I need a new start with him, I invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me. And it's not a prayer that you say by yourself, but we pray together, all of us in one, just repeat after me. Jesus, I give my life to you. Forgive me. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.